Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living and making great art. Let's do it together. All right. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Andy J. Pizza. I'm not a real doctor, but I do eat pizza. You can find my illustration at andyj.pizza, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at andyjpizza. Let's jump into the episode. So we got our first Factor Meals, and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how Factor Meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low-calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. Boom, babies. It's time. The time has come for a new creative pep talk. Are you psyched out of your minds? I am. It's 6.45 a.m. I've been drinking coffee in my basement. Um, (laughs) I am so prepped. I've got my notes here. I'm ready to roll, and I want to bring you this message that is on my heart deep within my soul and it's this who run the world trolls right (laughs) listen listen that's what this episode is about this episode is about the state in which we find ourselves as creative people you know i work with a bunch of creative people over the past several years in different capacities, one-on-one kind of consulting. I've been doing my MFBA class uh, with 10 select students who are just off the charts. By the way, big shout out to my man, Matt Dunn. Go find him on Instagram. He's doing this film project where uh, he's doing a different gif for new films that he's watching, and it's just fantastic. So I'm working with those dudes. And, uh, you know, teaching and I just keep running into this same thing over and over and I see it in myself and I see it in my friends that are creative folks and creative professionals. And it comes down to that. It comes down to who run the world trolls that we are in this state where We are deeply insecure about putting ourselves out there for fear of being attacked publicly, publicly shamed. And if I know anything, I don't know much about the human brain, honestly, but if I know anything, I know that we're social animals that um, are really afraid of losing social standing. 
and that shame, we will do anything to avoid the feeling of shame. And as we've had this, uh, these public online witch hunts and we've put people under the microscope and we've scrutinized their every action, as that in- increases over time, we become uh, debilitated and, and unable and unwilling to put our true selves out there as creative people. And I honestly think that it's a disaster for a creative career to have this kind of um, detachment, this ironic detachment from uh, our true selves, what we really want to say, you know, having an argument against everything that we would want to make before we make it. You know, those trolls in the back of our minds criticizing, critiquing our value, our strengths, our creative uh, ideas, everything that we would bring to the table has an argument against it before we even sit down to make it. And then that, that, that fear of shame, that fear of, oh, you, you, you ripped this off this person. Oh, this is dumb. Oh, someone already did that. Oh, this is, you know, oh, you offended this person. You said something wrong. Like all this stuff creates this atmosphere where you're so in your head about everything that you're unwilling to, to, to take a chance. And actually, um, you know that in order to really get into that free association, that creative energy, you have to have no fear. You have to have no fear of judgment to get into that zone. And I'm just afraid that trolls are the poison to creativity and to creative professionals and they're creating an environment where we're not able to do our best work. And so I keep thinking about this. I don't know if I made this up or if I heard someone else say it. If if it comes from someone else, I apologize. Uh, But I keep thinking of this phrase and it's, what do you call an artist that doesn't want to stand out? I don't know, but you don't call them an artist because you don't become a creative person, an artist, uh, because you want to blend in with everybody else, because you don't want to be known. I really desperately believe that creativity and success in the arts, in advertising, in marketing, in design, in illustration, all these things, I really, ha- I really believe it's, it hinges on this idea of connection and this connection of being known, making yourself known, and other people feeling known. Whether you're a musician, you know, I remember um, the first time I heard like a Nick Drake album in college, and I remember having this <laughs> this emotional experience listening to this album. And I remember thinking, I never knew, A, that someone else felt like this, and B, that I even felt like this. And it was... It was simultaneously feeling known and then also surprising myself or, or being surprised by a part of me that I didn't know. And I think that that applies to music, art, creativity. But I also think even if you're a brand strategist, uh, I think one of the things that you your challenges, one of your deep challenges is 
how do you communicate to your customer that you know them and you care about them? Well, sometimes it's just finding common ground, like an interesting anecdote, a little uh, bit of information that says, hey, we know you guys. We care about you. We care enough to know. So here's a little commercial that's going to resonate with you because it shows that we know you. And so, so I feel like we're in this place, uh, and I'm going to go to uh, a dating metaphor <laughs> again, revisit that kind of metaphor again, because I think it's so crucial to understand this connection between you, the person making stuff, and and the people that are consuming it, your audience, whoever that might be. I think it's so crucial and it hinges on your ability to make yourself vulnerable and really connect to those people. And today I want to talk about the detriments, the things that get in the way, the reason why your work isn't resonating to the level that it should be. I think it's really clear. I think it's really obvious that... Um, we see people out there who are really connecting with people and then the difference between that and in, in our own lives, in our own creative world, in our own professional world, our own careers. It's very obvious when someone has made themselves vulnerable in a way, they've found things out about themselves and they've connected with their audience in a big way. It's black and white most of the time. I feel like we can really see that. And so as a person that works with a lot of creative people, I feel like I get in this situation all the time where, you know, go out to coffee and uh, my friend's saying, man, I'm just having the worst time. I, can't, I really want to find my soulmate. I want to make a connection. I want to, I need to find the one man, you know, can you help me? We're sat there, you know, having coffee and, and I say, all right, man, yeah, I'd love to help you. I don't know really what's going on. You know, what's the story? And he's like, look, I'm trying everything. I'm out there, man. I'm, 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 I'm out there on the dating sites and, the, and uh, I'm out there at the, the bars. I'm trying to make a connection, man. I just can't find the one. I can't find the person. And I say, all right, well, let me see the, uh, your dating profile. And he's like, here it is. And I'm like, no, this isn't yours. This is someone else's. Like, no, that's my dating profile. And I'm like, wait a second. This photo isn't of you. And he's like, yeah, I know. But I think that ladies are kind of more into like the bodybuilding kind of dude. And so I put that photo up there. And I'm like, okay. So I scrolled down <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you know, you're not six foot two, you're five foot three. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but you know, tall, dark and handsome. You know what I mean? That's what the, the women are looking for. So I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying everything I can. I'm just trying to do what I can to make a connection. Cause you know, I'm desperate. I'm like, yeah, but it's not accurate. It's not honest. And so what, what's happening? Well, I go out on these dates and then, you know, they see me and I don't know, it just goes downhill from there. They just, <laughs> don't, you know, and this 
is honestly what I see in creative careers all the time, all the in my own, you know, looking back, I see it in my own world is that are you putting the work out that you have to get out? Are you putting the work out that is coming from your soul that you need to make that just you're so freaking pumped about it, you're going to make it whether anybody gives you permission about it or not? Or are you condescending someone else, some audience that you think wants this particular thing? And so today on the show, we're going to talk about how to update your creative dating profile with accurate information. And yeah, maybe on the surface, it doesn't look as good. Maybe on the surface, it looks a little bit messier or it doesn't look as ideal in quotes. But if you're not willing to show up in a real way, If you're not willing to show who you really are, then they're never going to be able to connect with you. You're never going to find that real connection with a fake dating profile. And so today on the show, let's go through a few different ways of how to update that profile become a little bit more vulnerable, take a little risk, be a little bit more honest, and see if we can help you connect in a real way with an audience. Okay, number one, take a real photo for your dating profile. And uh, <laughs> this is about the aesthetic, like how, how, how the veneer of your work, not the deep content side. First, let's just talk about what it looks like, what it sounds like, the melody, you know, the genre if you're a musician. The, the filters, if you're an Instagram photographer, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody uses filters anymore, you know, the style of what you're doing. And here's the challenge that I want to give you. And it's really simple, but it, it's a reminder that helps me literally every time I go to make something. So I feel like it's worth saying over and over and over again, because it, it's always a breakthrough every time I remember it. And it's scratch your own itch. I think that, you know, when you're picking out this, when you're thinking about the photo that you're going to put on your dating profile, you probably in your mind have built up this archetype of what you think the people that you're trying to connect with are looking for. You've built up in your mind the ideal man, the ideal woman. And the funny thing is, I've found that that ideal isn't even based on social norms. It's not even based on uh, reality. It's often based on your own insecurities, everything that you're not, everything that you're keenly aware that you're not. And so here's what I want you to do when you go to design a t-shirt, when you go to write a song, instead of condescending a group of people, condescending them by saying, I know what you want. 
even though I'm unlike you, even though we don't have a real connection, I know what you're looking for. Instead of doing that, bring it home and say, when I turn on the radio, what song do I want to hear that's not on there? When I look at my wall, what's the clock that's missing that I want to design? What's a clock that I'm looking for that I can't find? What's the t-shirt that I want to wear that doesn't exist? I was in this position just last week. I was designing a t-shirt and this process was so helpful. I thought instead of thinking, what do they want? What does a good t-shirt look like? You know, when I think of what a good t-shirt looks like, I don't think of a t-shirt that I want to wear. I think of what I'm bad at. I think I, I go to my fear. I don't go to, well, they came to me because they want an Andy J pizza t-shirt. I think, okay, what would a real t-shirt designer want or do? What, what would a, if I was a good designer, what would I make? And I instantly go back to the email where I sent an email to a hero of mine and I said, hey, could you give me some feedback on da-da-da-da-da? And their response was, well, I can't really give you feedback because your work is really just decorative and mine is conceptual. And so it's just apples and oranges, middle finger in my face, basically. And I, that's what I think of when someone passes me a t-shirt design is, oh, you're just going to do like a decorative thing, dude, because that's your thing? Like, you know, I mean, you can't make a really good t-shirt because you know, a good t-shirt's conceptual and yours is really just decorative. That's where I go in my brain when I'm thinking about uh, when I get a new job in. I'm thinking about when you take that photo, you're not the tall, dark, and handsome. You're not the thing that people want. Now, this gets a little weird, the metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) The metaphor gets a little bit weird when you start thinking about the dating profile picture and then you're mixing it with my advice of like design what you want because I don't think you're going to take a photo of yourself that (laughs) mimics (laughs) what you're looking for in a person. Anyway, that's getting weird. But, But when it comes to making something, instead of thinking, what would a good person do? think what t-shirt is not in my drawer that I wish was. And this was so helpful because recently I've been wanting to get some, uh, I've been thinking about wearing more graphic tees again. I don't know why I'm just kind of feeling that right now. And I'm, you know, no offense to anybody, but I couldn't really find what I wanted. I couldn't find what I would wear, what I would want to wear. It just didn't exist. And when I went to design this last t-shirt, I just thought, okay, just design the perfect t-shirt for you. The thing that you would want to wear almost every day. And the design I created was so much more pure than any t-shirt I've ever designed. And I love the product. I love what what happened. And so here's what I want you to do. Uh, There's two things I think that are helpful with this. One, scratch your own itch. And two, identify the insecurity. Identify what makes you feel guilty about the type of work that you want to make and then just give it the middle finger right back. Just say, look, man, 
Yeah, and I don't really like to wear t-shirts that have pithy, conceptual little jokes. No offense to people that make those. That's just not my vibe. That's not my jam. And that's totally fine. Another way, if you can't design for yourself for whatever reason, another thing I heard recently was uh, I listened to the interview with Mindy Kaling on Sam Jones' podcast, Off Camera, and she said that when she writes her books, she's writing for her friend, like her be- one of her best friends that's super smart and has great taste, and she's just sitting there trying to make that person laugh. And so if you can't design for yourself, design for somebody who you have tons in common with and you and try to impress them that's been really effective for me too all right so there's an episode of seinfeld i guess that's the only reference i make <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I don't watch tons of TV. Like, I'm not into the new show thing. We won't go there. We won't go there right now. But uh, there's a, there's an episode of Seinfeld where you find out that Jerry chain like scratches out the size on his Levi's from a 33, and he makes it a 32 because he's that vain. And step two is. Buy a new pair of jeans. Leave the size alone. Show the true size. Update your profile with facts, with real information. You're not 6'2", you're 5'4", and it's okay. And some women out there like short guys, all right? It's just true. It's a, that's a real thing. Uh, <laughs> and... And here's what this, this step is really about. Step is really about what's the content that really jazzes you up? What makes you excited? What gets you out of bed in the morning? When you're in a conversation with somebody, what are the topics that come up where all of a sudden you're switched on? You're excited to listen. Because if somebody starts talking about square footage of a house... I have friends that are like, what? How much? How many square feet? Wait, you're talking about, is that like a 1600 kind of thing? Like 1540? How, how many square feet is this room? Is this a, <laughs> Every time someone starts doing that, my mind sh- shuts down. I go into sleep mode. Uh, I, I'm like, no, numbers, math, squares. <laughs> I'm just done. I don't want to hear it, right? When somebody brings up quantum mechanics, neuroscience, these kinds of ideas, I'm like, what? What? Let me hear that. I want to talk. Let's jump into that deep. I love that stuff. So in the content that you're covering in your work, instead of just drawing pugs because that's the latest thing on Instagram and you're condescending them with that topic of like, I know what these people want to see. I'll give them what they want. Finally, you don't know what they want. What do you want? Do you even know that? Do you even know that? This is a massive challenge for creative folks. I think we get stuck on the aesthetic. We get stuck on step one. We get stuck on the veneer. Like, if you're a director, you get stuck on Wes Anderson because of the cool framing, the cool uh, 
photography direction. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Something like that. You get, you know, getting the pose just right, getting the colors right, the aesthetic, we get stuck on it. We neglect the fact that every one of his films is about the relationship to the father. And we try to, like, that's the content. And so a lot of times we condescend with our topics because we haven't even thought about the content. We haven't even gone there. We haven't even, un we don't, we're not being dishonest. We don't know how to be honest because we don't know what we want to talk about. And so get on the scales so you can give an accurate reading, <laughs> an accurate weight on your, are there weights on dating profiles? <laughs> I don't know. That's what, <laughs> Just obviously, I've I just never online dated. I've been married for eight years. Um, but here's my challenge for you with the topic. Don't be afraid to polarize people. Don't be afraid to put some people off in a major way. Now, I've said this on the podcast probably 300 times, but every time I'm in a conversation with somebody uh, that I know listens to the podcast and I go to this point, I feel like they're looking at me like I still don't understand what you're saying. So I want to revisit it. And here's what it is. It's rice balls versus sushi. Rice balls versus sushi. You could open up a restaurant. You could make the most immaculate rice balls in the world. And actually, cooking rice to perfection is a, quite a skill. And what if you made these rice balls? They're, they're perfectly cooked rice. And then, mathematically, you create a sphere of rice that is so mathematically correct. It's a perfect sphere. And they're quite nice to look at. They look like little beautiful snowballs. Right, <laughs> And everybody goes in and they eat it and they're eating it and whatever. I can guarantee you there's not many people out of the billions of people on the planet. There are not many people that couldn't uh, just eat that and be full. Like, like 99.999% of people on the planet could eat rice, fill their belly, be done, and physically be satisfied, be full get their sustenance. I would say that same group of people, none of them go tell their Aunt Sally about it. None of them recommend it to anybody else. Nobody creates a fan page. Nobody goes and writes a rave review on Yelp because it's rice. Nobody cares. Nobody was offended, but nobody was pumped out of their minds. Now, throw some raw fish on in that in that rice, throw some fish eggs, throw some seaweed. All of a sudden, some of you listening to this podcast are starting to feel sick. You're like, that sounds disgusting. Others of you are like, pass the sriracha mayo, I'm ready to dig in. Or if you're actually legit and not just an American eating sushi, you might say some wasabi, right? Because people are passionate about sushi. They're also passionately disgusted by su sushi. And I want to just take this moment out. Look, I don't want to go, you know, I'm sure this is like a trigger word by now. Uh, Trump, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not, that's not even a joke, but it is a, a trigger word. But I just want to prove a point that both Trump and Obama had fantastic marketing. They resonated with a group of people. That's undeniable. 
And I want to say that they did it partially by resonating with a group of people while also disgusting other groups of people. Now, I'm not saying that... (laughs) I'm not saying that you need to offend people or hurt people, but I am saying that this fear, this fear, this insecurity about not offending online people in terms of... uh, Okay... I'm not saying don't be politically correct. I'm saying that don't be afraid to make sushi. Don't be afraid to make a t-shirt that you're excited about that other people don't think is quote-unquote good design. Don't be afraid to tackle topics that some people find extremely boring and other people find extremely exciting. Because it's not until you start polarizing people that people really start feeling excited. If nobody hates it, nobody's going to love it. And so in my own world, this is what it's looked like. In my own world, you know, with this podcast, it took me so long to record this podcast. I've been wanting to do, I've been a massive podcast fan. Look, ultimate hipster right here in that way. I've been a fan of podcasts since like 2007, maybe 2008, all right? But I wanted to create a podcast probably in 2010, and I wanted to create a marketing podcast for creative people, essentially the Creative Pep Talk podcast, and I couldn't muster up the courage. And why? Because I know when I say the word marketing in the context of creativity, a large percentage of creative people just shut the podcast off. Not you guys, because if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're down. But before I started it, that was my fears. I knew that you start talking about marketing in the context of creativity, there are going to be some folks that want to protest, that want to be like, those two things are diametrically opposed and you're ruining creativity with your marketing talk. And so I put it off. I put off making that podcast for four years. I can't imagine where this podcast would be had I done it when I originally wanted to. But I didn't want to I didn't want to upset anybody. I was afraid, I was insecure. You know, in my own work and my in my illustration work let me t- say two words that'll just polarize everyone. <laughs> Science and God. Okay? These are topics that I wanted to explore in my work. And it's so funny because, you know, it took me so long to kind of... I, I love the space. I love the gap between science and God. You know, people's experience of what they call God and science. I, these are two... I like that, sp- that, that friction in between there. And it took me so long to start exploring that in my work because I know that when I say God, a large percentage of people are like, oh, no. And then when I say science, a large group of people are like, oh, not science. And then you guys even had an, a feeling probably about the people that were disgusted on the other side of whichever one you weren't on the, on the team, right? And so... I didn't want to explore it because I'm like, man, not only these topics on their own start making people squirm, but trying to find the group of people that want to 
see this this very strange Venn diagram work about this this Venn diagram of science and God, man, no way. Nobody's down with that. So it took me forever to start exploring that in my work. But once I did, I can tell you the biggest responses I've ever had have come from that Venn diagram. And I've never been happier about my work than when I'm exploring those things that get me pumped. When that conversation goes to those places and my ears perked and they quit talking about square footage and they started talking about how in quantum mechanics, I love saying that word, I don't really know what it means, but in quantum mechanics, when you're talking about you know, uh, microscopic particles in the way that they, they only exist in certain ways when we observe them and that we're creating our own realities by observation and that we only relate to each other in the way that we perceive each other and how if you looked at a multidimensional being that's on a higher plane than ours, it would resemble something like God. Oh, that's when I start talking. That's when I'm ready to roll. And so what are the topics? What's the content you want to put in that profile, in that dating, in the creative career dating profile that you know someone's going to be like, oh, sick. That is the, why are you talking about that? But then you know another group of people is going to be like leaning up in their chair. Like, did they just go there? Number three, this one might surprise you a little bit, and it's number three for a reason. It's not number one, not number two, it's number three. But number three is compromise. Compromise. We keep talking about, you know, I, I am really sensitive to not oversimplifying things. I think that truth is quite nuanced. And I think especially, you know, you're talking about creativity, a career, you know, there's so much nuance. There's a million different ways to go about it. And I want to make sure that I don't give you an incomplete picture. And I just want to add something to this thing about being honest, be yourself, unabashedly, uh, offensively you, and, and so to speak, unless you're hurting people. Don't be offensive and hurt people. That's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, some people don't want to talk about science, that it's okay to offend them in that way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I want to add something to this. And so number three is compromise. Because you can't be in relationship with anybody without working together, without it being a collaboration. You can't get your way on every single thing and remain in community with other people. It's a give and take. We see this in government. We see this in uh, marriages. We see this in friendships. We see this in families. And it takes cooperation and it takes humility to say, okay, we'll do it your way. 
I don't know that my way is always best. And here's what I mean by this in terms of creativity and in your creative career. I mean that, okay, you put the accurate dating profile up, you're, you're making it work, you got the aesthetic, you got your content going. Now you're, you're ready to deliver the meal, the creative work of art to your audience. And I think it's okay at that stage to start asking yourself, how do they want this delivered? How do they want to consume this thing? And here's what I mean by that. I think once you have a sense of your aesthetic and your content, I think it's okay to say, okay, if I'm going to make a poster, let's, let's cooperate. Let's, let's think about what are these, what these people that I'm working with that are responding to this work, how do I create this work that I make in such a way that they want to hang it in their living room? Because there's lots of stuff that I make that would make terrible posters that people don't want on their walls. And so it's okay to cooperate, to compromise, to work on that. And I might have a brilliant idea in my, you know, that I think is brilliant. And I might want to make a poster out of that idea. But, but my audience isn't buying posters anymore. They're buying enamel pens. They're buying uh, notebooks. They're buying all, you know, whatever. And so although my first choice might be a poster, I think it's okay to go with what the audience is looking for because it's a relationship. And in that same way, I think if you're, you know, let's say you want to make a meal for a friend and you're like, you love to make Indian food. You're super pumped about it. Your favorite dish is making a chicken sog. I love chicken sog. If you've never had it, go try it. It's a spinach dish. It's creamy and delicious. Uh, and you're like, oh, I make this phenomenal chicken sog. I'm going to make my friend this meal. We're going to have a great time. But if your friend is a vegetarian, it's not inauthentic to make it with, <laughs> to make it with vegetables, to make a veggie curry instead of a chicken curry. That's called relationship. That's the kind of compromise that's okay. And so I think it's okay to maybe not compromise on your why, like why you're doing it, what's coming, you know, not compromise, like become a different person, morph into somebody else to connect with these people. But I do think it's okay to meet them where they are, listen to them, cooperate, collaborate. And I think that you actually end up in really good places if you're willing to do that. So number three is just kind of like a little disclaimer. So I was really fake in high school and I was just desperate. I wanted friends' attention. I wanted, you know, 
my ego to be stroked. I just want, you know, I, I just wanted it all, man. I wanted it all. I think it's not uncommon. You might have been the same whether you're willing to admit it or not. I bet you are. But you were the same in high school, you disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, I, you know, I just wanted tons of friends. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to date the hottest girls in school. And uh, I pursued that strategically. I tried. I tried. You know, I did whatever I could. I became whoever I thought I needed to become to make that happen. And I just have these, when I look back on that time, I have these moments, you know, sat with a current girlfriend at a party watching these movies that I hated, listening to these conversations about square footage. <laughs> Call back. No, <laughs> listening to these conversations that I wasn't interested in. Do, going on these long car rides, jamming out to music that I hated, that I just grossed me out. Sitting at parties, watching people goof around, thinking, what are they doing? What, what's the deal? And I got what I want, wanted to a degree, you know, got to be friends with some of the cool cats in school. But by becoming somebody else to get what I thought I wanted, it was incomplete because on the surface, it looked like things were great, but there was no connection. And that's what I was actually looking for, was the connection. And so when I went to college, I literally quit dating. I literally was like, I'm not dating anybody. I'm not going to... Uh, and I'm not going to compromise on what I'm looking for, for a real connection with somebody where we bond over the things that I'm passionate about, over the topics that I'm interested in, that we have similar values. And uh, you know what? It took literally two years before I met anybody that I even considered dating. And then one day I went to work at Subway, <laughs> like all romantic comedies start. Uh, and this lady from another shop was filling in a shop down the road, a Subway. She had to cover a shift and her name was Sophie. <laughs> I hope my wife listens to this. And we hit it off. We could not stop talking. The, the customers were angry. They weren't getting their sandwiches. We were just in the back hanging out, chatting about Sufjan Stevens. Um, <laughs> and uh, one day we were making sandwiches and we both reached for the meatball sub. <laughs> 
I always tell that story. We both were reaching for the lettuce, and we, our hands touched, and the rest was history. Uh, we locked eyes. No, that, that didn't happen. Uh, but honestly, we, we fell head over heels. And I remember, like, not that many dates in. We, we sat on a couch. She showed me the Cocteau Twins album, Heaven or Las Vegas. We put it on. And we just sat there alone and listened to it. And I remember feeling how different that experience was to all of these fake connections that I'd made in high school. I remember listening to that album with this other person and we were both feeling the same feelings about it. We were lost in it. We just sat there and it was beautiful and it was amazing. It's one of my favorite memories. And I just thought, oh, this is it. And not to be overly dramatic, but this past two years with the podcast, with some of the artwork I've been making, I feel like I'm starting to get to that place in my work that, oh, man. I'm given what I've really got and the people on the other end, that's what they're looking for. And we're meeting in this vulnerable connection. And I'm not going to lie to you. In the past two years, I've had a few moments where I know for a fact there are some folks on the social media outlets talking trash about Andy, Dr. J., pizza. I know it. I've seen it. There's been a handful of times where there's been some low blows about the type of work I'm doing, especially with the podcast. And it hurt. You know, some of those moments really ruined my day. Like I I went into like a, a downward spiral of, oh my gosh, people hate me. They're talking about me. But I wouldn't trade that day for the hundreds of days that I've had in the past couple years making that work from my heart making myself known and then connecting I wouldn't trade not going through those moments of people critiquing me for standing at a conference in front of a dude who's literally crying saying you helped me figure out what I really wanted I quit my job and I found a new job where I'm doing work that I find meaningful. Thank you for doing your podcast. I would take a million hateful Twitter critiques for that moment. It's so worth it. And so here's what I'm saying. Quit Hiding. Quit pretending. Quit trying to be someone else. Do the work that you want to do. 
Do the work that's inside of you. Be honest about what interests you, even if it's going to make your grandma mad. (laughs) Sorry, grandma. I love you. She likes my work, I'm sure. Uh, There comes a time where you got to jump. You got to go out on your own. You got to risk it. Because if you don't, if you never make yourself vulnerable, you never find that connection. Thanks for listening, everybody. I love you guys. Thanks for all the love and support for making this thing happen. Please, go spread the word. Let's make this thing touch every creative soul that needs a little boost. If you know people in your life that are like, I like to make stuff, but I just don't have the emotional stamina, send send them this episode. It might help them. I'm one of those people. That's why I make this show, scratching my own itch. Um, thanks guys seriously thanks to our syndicate Illustration Age you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y one of my all time favorite bands for the theme music thanks to Nate Utash my buddy who makes uh, music with the band Metavari for all the other tunes they're phenomenal they uh, in, enliven this program uh, thank you so much Nate thanks to everybody else thanks for listening I will be back very, very soon, probably next week, with more pep for your step. But in the meantime, if you need to go back to episode one and and check that out, go do whatever it takes to stay pepped up. 